church, go ahead and be seated. Go ahead and be seated. Will you bow your heads with me in prayer? Father, we do pray in your powerful name. In the name of Jesus, where every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. So, Lord, today we pray that you would speak to our hearts and you would open up our minds to, to know your will and to do your will and to walk out different than how we came in, Lord. We pray that today you would heal things that need to be healed. You would restore things that need to be restored. And we pray that it is by your word and only by your word that, the, that those things take place. We love you, we adore you, and we thank you. In Christ's perfect name is who we pray. Amen, amen. How about the band today, y'all? The band, hey, woo, I was, felt good. I gave my life to Jesus again. It was feeling good today. Well, good morning, Christ Church. So glad to have you guys. Thank you. So glad to have you guys here with us on this beautiful morning. For all those who are watching online, thank you guys for hanging out with us. Hope you guys had a good Thanksgiving. You guys had a good Thanksgiving this past weekend? Yes, yes. This means yes, Devon, yes. And you know what I love about Thanksgiving? You guys ever had that nap after you eat? Well, I didn't get that nap this Thanksgiving. Didn't get it because the kids were running around driving me crazy. So I didn't get that nap that well. But I hope you guys got the nap and also get to enjoy time with your family as well. Also, I want to talk about, uh, as, as Chris talked about on the, uh, the video, uh, about the pledge campaign. Man, we are praying for God to, to bless this new building that we believe he wants us to move into. As you guys know, we're growing as a church. God is blessing all of this. God's hand is in all of this. But we also know God's hand needs to be in that new building as well. So as Chris said in the video, please prayerfully consider uh, what it would look like to, to, to participate in this new uh, building campaign the way the Lord wants you to be involved. So we're praying for that. I also want to say this. Speaking of Chris, my brother Chris and Jonathan, look at the new stage, y'all. Doesn't this look nice? Look at this, Jonathan Whitfield and Chris Schneider, they hooked this thing up. We're so thankful for you. So you guys can stop looking at ugly me and look back there. Just, who said amen? Wait a minute. Pat B. Hand, can you, can you go back there? Yes, thank you. Take care of them. Well, today we're starting a brand new sermon series called Gentleness. Now, some of you don't know, but, but much of the scripture speaks of God's character. And the way that it speaks of God's character is defined by calling him gentle. There's passages in the Old Testament, passages in the New Testament. Jesus even speaks and calls himself gentle as well. And the gentleness of God is meant to impact and affect us in a profound and special way. So we're going to be in this series for, for all the way to Christmas. So after Christmas, we're being a new, brand new series. But we're going to talk about the gentleness of God and how that impacts us and directs our lives uh, uh, moving forward. But before I jump into the message, before I jump into Psalm 18... As Brad read earlier, Psalm 18, verse 30 to 35, one thing that I love is being a father. I love being a dad. I just love being a parent. I love my kids. You know, but there's one thing that I got to say. They drive me crazy. Them suckers drive me crazy. Listen, any parent put their kids down for a nap and you felt like you just went through war? Like, like you felt like you just got done, like, like wrestling. Like, I put my kids down for, uh, for a nap last night, and literally I passed out on the floor. Like, I was that tired. These guys just tire me out. And one of the reasons that I believe that they tire me out is that they are so stinking needy. They rely on me and my, and, and my wife for everything. My son just says, milk, milk. Like, all right, bro, you can be respectful next time, all right? You ain't got to be so disrespectful asking me for milk. But they say, poop, poop, you can change it yourself, brother. Like, it's just crazy 
how much these kids just rely on us. And I found it very interesting. I find it interesting. We, are, we all come into this world dependent. Think about that. All of us, we all come into this world needy. Because my, my children and your children and your kids, especially if you have little ones, I've got older kids, they can take care of themselves. But at one point in your life, your kids are 100% dependent on you. They are 100% dependent on you, and they needed you to give them the things that they, uh, that they needed in order to survive. And I find it very interesting. We all come into this world depending on, some, depending on someone. We spend the first few of our years uh, growing up always looking to our parents or whoever raised you at the time when you were young. And here's the one thing I want you guys to know. As a child needs their parent, we need God. See, the Christian life is a life of dependence. The Christian life is a life where you look to God and you acknowledge your limitations. Because let me tell you one thing that we're not very good at is acknowledging our flaws. We're not very good at acknowledging where we're weak at. But the Christian life is saying, I don't have all that it takes, but I know who does. I, I don't have the wisdom. Because there's moments in my life I make dumb decisions. I, I say things I shouldn't say. Husbands, you should agree with me. I do things I, I shouldn't do. And that's all the matter of why I need God. It's, it's like how we need food and water and air. Because we know that without it, we wouldn't survive. In the same way it's applied to our relationship with God. We depend on God to give us wisdom. We depend on God to transform us into the people that we desire, that he desires us to be. Because we have a version of what we want to look like, and God's got a whole totally different one. We depend on God to bear fruit in our lives. We depend on God to be faithful. We depend on God so we can stop treating people like crap. We need God is pretty much is what I'm trying to say in this moment, in this time, because without him, we won't survive. Without Christ in my life and me totally depending and looking to him, asking him to give me what I need to do, all that he's called me to do, friends, I won't survive. See, here's the thing. The way of joy and the way of happiness and the way of freedom. Who wants to be a little bit more free today? See, I believe all that happens when you look to God like a child looks to a parent. When, when we look to God and we say to ourselves, God, you have all that I need in my life. So here I am asking you to do within me that needs to be done. See, I believe a life of dependence on God calls us to a life of freedom. Because let me tell you one thing. I want to be free from trying to take control of everything. Because I'm a control freak. I think it's my job to control my circumstances. I think it's my job to try to control my wife. Shut up. Anyway, Jen Blatnick, she's back there. Can you get her out, please? Lady in the orange, thank you. I think it's my job to try to control people. But here's the freedom that, that depending on God gives. It frees us from trying to take control and allowing the almighty, sovereign God to say, buddy, here it is. You got it, and I know you got it, but I also know that you're good as you have. That's what the Christian life is about. And that's what this psalm that we're going to be studying uh, today is all about. A psalm written by, by King David that a lot of us know very well. He wrote this psalm at some point in his life. Now, this psalm is, again, all centered around what it looks like to totally depend on God. But also 
the results that happen when you look at the essence of life. So let's begin at verse 30. So go ahead and bring up verse 30. Psalm 18, verse 30 to 35. Let me just read it and then we'll break it down. It says this. God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. Verse 31. For who is God but the Lord and who is a rock except our God? The God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trained my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of a bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand supported me. Here's our word. You ready? Your gentleness. Your gentleness. One way we can really describe the word gentleness is goodness. One way we can also describe it is God's humility. Now, God doesn't need to humble himself because he has anger issues like us. God doesn't need to humble himself because he's prideful. He's the opposite of things. That's just his natural character. That's just who he is. He's a humble person. Remember, Jesus says it himself. Jesus says, all who are weary and laden and burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. For I am gentle and humble at heart. So that's what this word gentleness means. And David said, it's your gentleness that made me great. I love this psalm. Because this psalm, although we're in the middle of it, it's all 50 verses. I'm not going to bore you today by reading all 50 and doing all 50 verses. But this part in this section, uh, David takes the time and acknowledges God's gentleness in his life. Now hold on to that because we're going we're gonna to talk about that more towards the end. But let's begin at verse 30. Look what David said. Verse 30, he says this. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. Verse 30, he says, God's way is perfect. Another way to translate God's way is God's plans are perfect. Here's the thing that I notice. Sometimes I like to trust God with my problems, but not my plans. Sometimes I find myself saying, God, my pain, my, my anxiety, my stress, God, you can have it all. But my plans are my plans. Don't you touch my plans, God. But, but David says God's plans are perfect. Now, in order to say this, David is speaking from experience. David is speaking from the place where he's realized that at the end of the day, his plans in his way are, are, are false. And he realizes that God's plans and God's ways, see, here's the thing, they are perfect. Another way to translate that is they are good. Or even more, they are better. Don't you love that? So here's, here's a more modern way to say this. God's plans are better. God's plans are better. God's plans for my life and your life are better. Did you know before we even came to form, before we even became babies, before we grew up and do all the things that we did, we were on God's mind. Before we had a being in this world, we had a being in his heart. And since we had a being in his heart, he already had your life set out. And David realized, listen, my life is better when God's plans are in front of me. When God's ways are in front of me and I'm allowing the Lord to show me and to tell me who I need to be, where I need to go, what I need to say, how I need to forgive, how I need to love. David says God's ways are better. God's plans for, for my life, they are better. David realizes that every moment in his life has shaped him to realize God's better. He's realized in, in all of his dysfunction, because David had a lot of dysfunction, y'all. David had a lot of dysfunction in his life. 
right? Remember that story about Bathsheba? Oh, yeah, we know about that story about Bathsheba. David had a lot of brokenness. David had a lot of fear. David had a lot of doubts. David had a lot of chaos happen to him. But you know what David says? He says, each and every one of those moments, it was the Lord teaching me to depend on him and not on myself. You hear what I'm saying? He says, those moments, God was, God was shaping me to trust him more. And friends, I want to tell you right now, the circumstances that we face, listen, I want you to know God knew that it was coming. The problems that come into our lives, they're not meant to burden you. They're meant to build you to trust God even more. Because that's the only way that you and I will grow. The only way we, you and I, if God never brought problems in our lives, we wouldn't need God. Am I right about that? We didn't have, see, the fact that I have problems, the fact that I have circumstances, the fact that I have breakups, the fact that I have disappointments, the fact that I have failures, all points that I might put my need and I realized that his ways are better. And David keeps going on. David says this. Let me say this before I move on. God's way means it's God's will. It's God's plan for our life. And here is God's plan. Follow Jesus. Because we all try to figure out, well, what does God want me to do in my life? I always talk to young people and they say, well, I'm just waiting for the Lord to reveal to me what he wants me to do. I'm just waiting for the Lord to, to show me his will and what he wants me to do in my life. And let me tell you, Scripture is very clear. What God wants us to do, the will of God, the way of God, God's plan is following Jesus. Beholding him. Staying close to him. Learning from him. Knowing him. Abiding in him. Loving him. That's God's plan for our lives. And we will realize that as we follow him, he is better than our plans and our ways. God's way of marriage is better than my way of marriage. God's way of relationships is better than my way of relationships. Because it was up to me, I would hold a grudge. If it was up to me, I would be bitter. If it was up to me, I would just sit in my anger and wallow in my pity and tell myself a story. It's their fault. But the God's way of relationships is better. God's way of finance, finances is better. God's way of sexuality, purity. Why I depend on God? So then David moves on. He says, he says, uh, God, his way is perfect. Then he says, the word delights me. Now, how does, how does David know God's way is perfect? How does David know that God's plans are better? Because of God's word. Now, David speaks again from experience. So you got to remember, God spoke a word over David. God spoke promises over David. God said, hey, David. One day you're going to sit on the throne. And David got excited for it. But guess what? Homeboy had to wait 12 years until it happened. Homeboy had to wait 12 years. Can you imagine waiting for something for 12 years? You, listen, I get impatient in traffic. Can you imagine waiting 12 years? And so at this point, David, as he's writing this, he just became king of Israel. Again, we're going to talk about that more at the end. He just became king of Israel. And he's realizing and he's seeing, listen. God spoke this over me before, and I'm realizing that not only is this way better, but his word is true. God's promises are true. David learned how to follow him. God says, you're going to be on the throne, and guess what? You're going to reign. And I want you to know this, and I don't want to sound like a, uh, like a, uh, a heretic when I say this, but there are promises God has made in your life, and he 
just appears based on your actions. When God says, I will be with you, he means it. I will be with you. When you go through the storms, when you go through chaotic moments, when your children are listening to you, parents got to get the amen. There are promises in our lives God will never fail me. And David has realized, listen, I'm on the throne only because God spoke it over me in my life. David realizes that God is able to do this. So he says, the word of the Lord proves true. Then he says this, this part is really good. He says, he is a shield to all those who take refuge in him. Now, let me just explain this. A refuge is nothing but a fortress. A refuge is nothing but a tall building made of brick and mortar. So back in, the, uh, back in the ancient days, in the Israelites' days, whenever you were going to war and you realized that you were losing and you realized you were getting your butt kicked, what would happen is they would go to the refuge. They would go to the fortress. Now all a fortress is, is just a place to hide. All a fortress is, what it would do, it, it would elevate you to upwards so that you can advance over your enemies. But really the way that we describe a refuge is the hiding place. And David says, the Lord is my refuge. When I'm being attacked, when, listen, when I am being burdened, when I am pushing my buttons, David says, I will be safe. You know what I like to run to? Gossip. Because I think about talking about other people will make me feel better about myself. That's what I like to say. If I just talk about other people's problems, I'll feel less problematic with my own problems. I'll try to find refuge in gossip. You know what the problem is? I'll try to find refuge in people. Then I realize this, and you've heard me say this a thousand times, people lie. You expect them to do something, but they don't do it. David says, I will be safe. Let me ask you this question. Where do you turn for help? turn to when you need security? Where do you turn to when you need confidence? See, I realize in this time and in this world that whenever we're facing hard moments, we like to turn to more unhealthy things. But whenever we're facing the situations that are out of our control, we try to turn and comfort ourselves to things that we can't control. We, we try to turn and comfort ourselves, as I said earlier, by controlling other people. We try to turn and, and comfort ourselves in alcohol. We try to turn and, and, and comfort ourselves in pornography. We try to turn and comfort ourselves in areas that we think that will bring us security. But David says the way to health, the way to thriving, and the way of prosperity, when you're facing the hard moments, when you're facing the situations, he says, run to the Lord. Run to God. Time and time again, you will see in Scripture, when people are facing situations, they go like this, God, what are we to do? God, comfort me. God, help us. God, be with us. God, strengthen us. God, empower us. There are time and time again, the scripture always tells you and I, listen, find your comfort and find it in God. The Lord is our refuge. Find your comfort in God. That's what this passage is telling us. So if we're still on verse 30, let me get to verse 31 because I'm spending way too much time in this. So now David says in verse 30, he says this, for who is God but the Lord? He is a rock. He is a rock except 
Now, the word rock is another way you can translate it. It's translated as foundation. That's a cornerstone. Now, for all of my, 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 my laborers and people who have worked on houses, you know the most important part of the house is the foundation. What would keep the house from falling is the foundation. What would keep the house from crumbling, it's the foundation. When the house goes through wear and tear and all of this, it's the rock that upholds it. And David says, God is the foundation. He's the cornerstone. David says this, who is God? He is a rock. David says, I build my life off him because he alone, he is the foundation. He is the cornerstone of my life. I don't build my life off success. I don't build my life off how much people love me. I don't build my life off how much people like me. I don't build my life off how, how great I am, but rather I build my life on the great I am. David says, I build my life off the foundation of God because God's word is true. Because God's way is perfect. And he is a shield in the moments when I need protection. He says, I will build my life Then it's awesome. This is awesome. David exclusively worships God alone. See, in David's day, one of the some of the Israelites' main problem, one of their main problems was worship. It was this thing called idolatry. Now, the root word of idolatry is to idolize. That's when you look to something to give you the good that you desire in your life. And that was the biggest problem with, with, with the Israelites was that they would look to other things to give what they need in their lives. Pretty much all of idolatry means this. You put me above everybody else. Pretty much idolatry is when I'm saying this is what God idolizes. And I noticed that my biggest problem happens to be what I worship. Now, worship is not what was done just on this stage today. As Brad and, and Ashley were singing, it's not just what was done on this stage today. Worship is me giving God my adoration, giving God my attention, giving God my affection. But here's the problem. I give way too many other things my attention, affection, and adoration. I give my pain more attention than God. I give other people more attention than God. I give, like I said before, success more attention Because God has been way too faithful to me. Because God has been way too good to me. And God has protected me from the moments that I needed protection. God has protected me from me. And David says, God is the rock. Okay. Today I want to ask you a question. Check your worship. Check your worship. What is grabbing your attention more than God? What is grabbing your affections more than God? What is grabbing your adoration Verses 33 to 34. They're all actually all read together. Now David just got done telling who God is to him. But now he's going to get to the part what God does through him. So look what he says. He says, the God who acquit me with joy, who made my way prosperous, who 
made my feet like the feet of a deer. He set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands to work so that my arms will live forever. Here's David saying, he says, in all this training, I set my feet like a deer, as the feet of a deer. Now, uh, deer and antelopes and gazelles and many cultures, they're known as animals of the field. Whenever you see, you know, last time I saw a, a deer or a gazelle was they're running from a lion. You ever, you ever watch the animal show when they're just running from a lion? They're just, right, sprinting and sprinting and sprinting. David says this, God gives me great skill in this. says everything he faced in life, the Lord was present with him. <laughs> God was present with David. God was placed there in his power. David's greatest weapon wasn't what was in the cave, but his God. David's greatest weapon wasn't what he used every day in war, but his greatest weapon was in worship. His greatest weapon was God's presence. And his greatest power was God himself. And when we feel lonely and when we feel low and when we feel weak, where do we draw our strength from? Where do we draw our power from? And that's very easy to ask a Christian. When you ask a Christian, where does your strength come from? Where does your power come from? It's very easy. All you got to say is the gospel. The gospel is the power source that we need to live. The gospel is that place where we go and we tell ourselves no matter what we're facing, no matter what's going on, no matter what's attacking us, no matter what we see, God is good because of the gospel. The gospel speaks in our pain. The gospel speaks in our burden. The gospel speaks in our rejection. The gospel speaks in every part of our lives. So when you are facing the moments that you hate, when you are facing the things that you wish would go away, teach yourself the gospel. Teach your heart what God has done in you and what God will do through you. Teach your heart the gospel. My strength doesn't come from my education. My power doesn't come from my experience. My, all of that comes from the work of Jesus Christ and what he's done in me and what he will do through me in my life. That is where the power will come that we receive David gets to his last point. His last point at verse 35, David says this, that when he removed the shield of the covenant, the king was right hand had put down. Gentleness Just good looking. No, I'm talking about David now. 
just because I was good looking, not just because I'm, I'm so smart and so, so eloquent. No, the Lord has shown me favor in my life. What I love about this psalm, and I wanted to wait for context to the end. What I love about this psalm, David at one point in his life, he is reflecting off the work of God in his life. He sits down and he writes this psalm because this psalm is what we call a connecting psalm. And what is a connecting psalm? It's a psalm that's connected to a story that happened before or, or, or someplace in the Bible. And this happened in David's life. And at one point, David was under massive pressure. David was facing life and its pain and its pressure. Some of us, some of us, we have done everything to deserve God's wrath. I know I have. I have done everything to deserve hell. But instead, he gave me grace. I've done everything in my life. I've said the wrong things. I've done the wrong things. I've hurt people.
I dropped the ball and I 